Listener Production. In this episode of The Briefing, the epic failure of our soft plastics recycling system. And what a failure it is. Late last year, we discovered the soft plastics recycling bins at our supermarkets were not being recycled. Mm. They have actually just been piling up for four years. Yeah, so in this episode, we learned that the Red Cycle scheme has completely collapsed. The company's been declared insolvent by the Supreme Court. That happened last week. So Woolworths and Coles are now stepping in to take responsibility for the plastics and they're going to try and recycle it, but it could still end up in landfill. The supermarkets and the packaging covenant gave the impression that Red Cycle had solved the problem. And of course it hadn't. And that just uh, contributed to the sense of crisis. Another part of today's interview that really shocked me, Tom, is that the Red Cycle supermarket scheme was only capturing 1% of soft plastics anyway, so another 99% is going to landfill. Yep, so in this episode, you'll find out why soft plastic and hard plastic recycling in Australia is a complete mess and needs drastic intervention. First, here are today's headlines. Tom Tilly and Katrina Blowers with you. It's Tuesday, March 7. Former PM Malcolm Turnbull has had private WhatsApp messages examined at the RoboDebt Royal Commission. In one of those messages, he said to Alan Tudge, who was the Human Services Minister back in 2017, Alan, we need a frank assessment of what the problems are. I guess I was pressing him, Commissioner, to do his job. Did you have much confidence Mr Tudge actually had a good grasp on what this system entailed? I didn't regard him as being a, a negligent or incompetent or careless minister. Yeah, so Malcolm Turnbull also told the Commission that he hadn't considered the program was illegal and that he expected his ministers to take responsibility for their departments. The government was not run out of the Prime Minister's office, as uh, some other Prime Ministers have sought to do. So that was a not-so-subtle dig at Scott Morrison there from Malcolm Turnbull. (laughs) I I find it interesting, don't you, that, I mean, I know that they communicate on these platforms, but just uh, using WhatsApp, that, that you know, Malcolm Turnbull said that that was a really convenient messaging Mm. service and that he he used it quite a bit with his ministers. Um, I don't think they expect... I think the whole idea with WhatsApp is that it's encrypted and that you wouldn't expect it to then be examined in a royal commission. Yes, this is also true. But one of the interesting exchanges, I thought, was the one between Christian Porter and and Malcolm Turnbull, where uh, Christian Porter laid out a a few different problems. And and he said that pausing the scheme, even though some problems had been identified, would be the absolute worst strategic move and that he thought the best course of action would be to slow it down so that they could fix the issues quickly and silently and then he talked about the media interest Mm. in the scheme and how they were already copping heat from Fairfax and the ABC but at this stage it was just contained to reporting from those two outlets and uh, other outlets had, um, had not really pursued this story. So to me that sort of looks like you know let's just keep this quiet and slow it down rather than drawing attention to it was really in a big part about the media interest. Mm. And the Perth Mint is being accused of diluting its gold, so a leaked internal report suggested that up to 100 tonnes of gold sent to China was doped with too much silver. It happened in the first place 
because of poor systems management and incompetence on the refining side. But once they found it, they knew what they were doing. They took deliberate actions to ensure this didn't get out. So that was an anonymous insider speaking to ABC's Four Corners program. So the gold is still above the 99.99% purity requirement, but it exceeded the amount of silver allowed by the Shanghai Gold Exchange. Um, The Mint is now facing a potential $9 billion recall with taxpayers footing the bill. And the other part of that Four Corners was that the Mint in Perth allowed a a very well-known former bikey in Western Australia, to buy $27,000 worth of gold and only asked him for a driver's license. So there's accusations that gold was used to launder money. Yeah, it's a wild story, isn't it? I guess it's never a good look when people are found to be doing the wrong thing. It's flagged. Then they look as though they've covered it up. And then taxpayers have to foot the bill. That's that's the worst part of all of this. If you're planning a shop at Aldi today, you might see some protests. Truck drivers are leading the charge. They're calling for the supermarket giant to sign on to a supply chain charter. Now, both Coles and Woolies have already put pen to paper to create a fairy deal for transport workers, but Aldi has refused. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on truck drivers at the moment. The big trucking company Scott's Refrigeration went under last week, partly because they couldn't find enough drivers Um, Sounds like they might need to pay them a bit more, but this is the whole challenge with inflation because that would then flow onto the cost of your your vegetables and your other goods at the supermarket and it would flow on through the economy. Um, The Transport Workers Union says the transport industry is in crisis. The Reserve Bank is meeting today where it's expected to announce a 10th consecutive interest rate rise. It's expected to jump another 0.25% to a decade high of 3.6%. So this means that if you've got a $500,000 home loan, you will be paying $983 more a month than you were in May last year. That is a huge amount of money. You've got to think this is going to have to end soon. I am crossing all fingers and toes Mm. that it will. Oh, it's so painful. So everyone knows it's going to go up 0.25% today. What people will be watching very closely is the statement. So they'll be looking for the guidance, any hints in the language, any words that um, are taken out of the statement that were in the statement last month. Um, There's this microanalysis on the language, Mm -hmm. which is all trying to work out how many more rate rises are up ahead. Um, The major banks are predicting there'll be two more after this. So it'll get over 4% before potentially coming down early next year. But so much pain ahead because a lot of mortgage holders are still on the low fixed rates that they signed up for in 2021. And throughout the year, they're going to come off those fixed rates and land in a world of hurt because lots of people have much bigger loans than the one you just talked about of half a million dollars. A lot of people have way bigger loans than that and way bigger interest repayments. So scary times for homeowners. And Toblerone has to take their famous logo off their packaging. The Matterhorn. Uh, 
The makers of the chocolate bars are removing the Matterhorn mountain peak and, and that's because some of Toblerone's production processes are being moved outside of Switzerland to Slovakia and in 2017, Switzerland introduced some pretty strict rules about the use of its national symbols in marketing and it means that companies like Toblerone can only use the Matterhorn if the products are made exclusively in Switzerland. Other foods must be at least 80% made in Switzerland. It's pretty iconic, Mm. but I mean, I think they're planning to replace it with just a more generic mountain. Would people really recognise that difference? Uh, I think you have to be a bit of a um, mountaineering nut to really know the difference. (laughs) I mean, it's probably the most famous mountain peak in the world. I've actually been to it. Um, We went there on a family holiday, skied right next to it. It's so iconic. It's so special. And I can totally understand that the Swiss authorities want to um, keep the use of that for products that employ people in Switzerland and spend their production costs in Switzerland. So if you're going to move out of the country, then yeah, take it off. I mean, one of the other um, Swiss icons is the Bernese bear, which is also um, on their packaging. I assume they'll have to remove that as well. You know, I didn't think it was that big a deal. I'm like, oh, it's a mountain, you know, you could replace it with anything. But then I read that certain products that are branded as made in Switzerland are actually sold at a premium. They sell for 20% higher than goods made elsewhere. So that whole made in Switzerland branding mm. still carries a lot of weight in the market. Well, it's the ultimate symbol of quality, especially for chocolate. It's delicious. But yeah. I know not everyone loves the Toblerone. I'm going to put it out there. I think there are nicer chocolates than the Toblerone, but I do love how you can buy those enormous bars at airports and uh, no other chocolate brand has really come close to that humongous block size that you can get at international airports. So good on you, Toblerone. All right, in just a moment, the soft plastics crisis. Now to our briefing topic on the epic failure of our soft plastics recycling system. So more than 12,000 tonnes of soft plastic from the supermarket collection scheme has been stockpiling since 2018. So these are the household items like bags and wrappings that customers, in good faith and a fair amount of effort, have been taking to their supermarkets to put in those special bins, thinking it was going to be recycled, now realising that it hasn't been. Yeah, this scheme was run by Red Cycle, which we discovered at the end of last year, secretly stored the plastic instead of recycling it. And that company was officially declared insolvent last week. And now it's being revealed that the plastic, which was stuffed into over a dozen warehouses, has been stacked from floor to ceiling, creating a fire hazard. So it's a real shambles. So I guess this has raised a lot of questions, Mm. one of which is what the heck is going on with recycling and what are the problems with soft plastic in particular? Joining us on the briefing to tell us more is Jeff Angel, who's the director of the Total Environment Centre and the Boomerang Alliance, which is a coalition of 55 conservation groups who want action on this issue. Jeff, thanks for joining us on the briefing. Can you take us back to that discovery last year where we learned that the supermarket soft plastic system was broken? What did we think was happening and what was the reality? Well, if you believe the supermarkets who had the term logo Red Cycle on all their packaging websites, the Australian Packaging Covenant Organisation, 
which represents the whole industry, said RedCycle was there giving the impression that soft plastic recycling was well and truly on the way and, and active. But what we found was that RedCycle was a tiny scheme, hardly collecting 1% of total soft plastics. We found that stockpiling was happening because they couldn't sell the material and that uh, it was secret. So there was a number of failures on a whole range of levels and that created the whole crisis, not only for soft plastics, but I think for the social uh, license to operate of the packaging industry. So you're saying it was kept secret. So how long had this scheme been failing and how much plastic had been piling up? I understand that uh, some of the plastic that had been stockpiled and hadn't been put into recycled content or reprocessed came from 2018. So we mm. didn't find that out until 2021 at the end. And I think one of the fundamentals of any corporate scheme, and this was a voluntary corporate scheme to collect and reprocess soft plastics, is transparency. Because the one thing you don't want to happen is to have the consumer who's concerned about recycling, and it is the most often mentioned environmental behaviour of people. You don't want to find out that you've been lied to. So we're not recycling soft plastics at all anymore? No, we're not. That's through the Red Cycle scheme. There are a couple of even smaller schemes uh, that say they do have uh, factories that reprocess the collected material. One of them's called Kirby. There are some collections, albeit a very small scale, being begun by uh, local councils. But the fact is, those schemes also are very, very small. If we want to recycle our plastics, and the national packaging targets say we by 2025, we're going to need to recycle those plastics of 70%, then we have a lot of work to do. Mm. I mean, you said before that RedCycle was only 1% of soft plastics anyway. So we're talking about 1% failing. I guess we should also be talking about the other 99%, which shows that we're basically not even touching the sides in terms of a responsible use of soft plastics. Well, that's right. The supermarkets and the packaging covenant uh, gave the impression that Red Cycle had solved the problem. And of course it hadn't. And that just uh, contributed to the sense of crisis. What's really bothered me so much in thinking about this is you mentioned earlier, Jeff, you know, the diligence of, of customers in sorting out their plastics and then taking it into Coles and Woolies. That's a mission in mm. and of itself. And now to find out that this plastic has been stockpiled and the vision that I have in my head that's been painted by the EPA is floor to ceiling of plastics in warehouses, it's blocking doorways, it's now a fire hazard. Is it as bad as, as I imagine it to be? Yes, look, it's a fire hazard. It's plastic. It can easily catch a light and uh, not only damage the building but release toxic air pollution. Uh, one of the things they're going to have to do, uh, particularly if they uh, continue to stockpile, and I've got to say, people really don't like the idea of landfilling it. But if they continue the stockpile, they're going to have to get some rules from the fire people 
about how to safely stockpile it, protect it from fire. And we do have experience in these sorts of things. Stockpiling obviously is a is a short-term solution, but not, not a long-term one. You mentioned before that companies like Red Cycle had just been finding it really hard to, to sell this. My understanding is that they were exporting it to China. Where is the solution to this? Who, who has the answers for how we can recycle soft plastics? Well, there's no doubt the public's very keen to recycle this material. Uh, we think that putting it in a special bag and then putting it out at curbside is the best way to get uh, maximum community involvement. Next, we need the governments to impose a product stewardship scheme. Uh, We have the Commonwealth legislation that can do that. Uh, We also have some state legislation, for example, in New South Wales that can do that. And that binds the industry to the targets, binds the industry to financially supporting the collection scheme, and importantly, binds them to have recycled content in their packaging or, in fact, using less plastic and using alternative materials. Jeff, why are soft plastics so challenging? Why do they need to be separated from the other plastics and are they particularly difficult to recycle and reuse? In the normal curbside bin, they get contaminated and you do need a cleaner stream so the reprocessing is easier and viable. Uh, Some of the packaging is multi-layered and that makes it difficult to sort out the constituent parts and to get the soft plastic into a cleaner stream. I've got to say, you don't need to use plastic all the time. We've seen a very good pilot project by Nestle and Coles where they're replacing Kit Kat wrappers, which are normally in plastic with paper so we can reduce the amount of plastic that's actually there to be thrown away. I think consumers are very interested in new types of packaging. So there's, you know, there's a range of redesign of the packaging, but of course it's got to be food safe and the industry just hasn't spent enough time investigating uh, how to make the products that the soft plastic is enclosing uh, obviously safe to eat but with less plastic or alternative materials. So, Jeff, this whole thing has left me feeling really deflated. It, it takes, as we've talked about, some effort to recycle in the first place. What should we be doing in the meantime? Do I keep recycling? Is it just a giant waste of my time? Well, that would be the, the death of the recycling ethic, to think it's a waste of your time. So we're saying you should continue to stockpile Hopefully by the end of the year, there will be places, safe places to store that material. Uh, Industry and government get on with building the reprocessing materials and embedding the requirement uh, for recycled content. And once the uh, new factories are built, or we have lots of ones, existing ones that could be expanded, then all that stockpile material can go straight into the factory. I just think it would be such a bad look for all this material to be landfilled. It's, it would just destroy public confidence in the, in the recycling industry and we're obviously already at a very delicate stage of trying to get our packaging targets uh, in place and achieved. Jeff, this whole story with the soft plastics reminds me of the big revelations five years ago that 
the rest of our plastics were getting sent to China to be recycled and then suddenly China weren't accepting them anymore, which led to huge pile-ups of, of recycled plastics at local councils around the country. How much progress have we made on building a, you know, local processing centres for our recycled plastics or did we just kick the can down the road, um, pun intended, and just find other countries that took our used plastics? Yes, we kicked the can down the road. Uh, the schemes that were saying that we were recycling plastics were voluntary, so business wasn't putting in much effort. And the current data says we're only recycling 16% of our plastics. Have we made any progress in building our plastic recycling facilities here in Australia in the last five years? Uh, not in the last five years, but there seem to be a lot of plans being announced uh, uh, last year and this year, we're yet to see them being built. Uh, government, state, federal and business are contributing to a recycling modernisation fund. Uh, we think there needs to be more money and it certainly needs to be extended beyond its use-by date. Whether that's going to happen is really up to the campaign and community pressure forcing governments and business to act in a very robust and deep way because as you say it's a very very big problem that was jeff angel who's the director of the total environment center and the boomerang alliance this i guess made me feel i already knew there was a big problem but i feel after talking to jeff there's an even bigger one the solution as he mentioned lies at home it needs government intervention it needs somebody to step in what this really comes down to, Katrina, is, is the point Jeff made that producing new plastics is cheaper than recycling them. So while that remains the case, that that process is so expensive and, and relatively more expensive than producing new ones, we need some sort of incentive system that gets around this failure of the free market to mm. do the right thing. I think that needs to happen at a government level, a federal government level. They need to come up with some sort of financial incentive scheme that puts the focus back on to recycling and de-incentivizes the production of more mm. and more plastic. And while that's happening on, on one front, we also need to be building recycling plants here in Australia and incentivizing and investing in those. Listener.